0: Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the top 10 recovery podcast, The Betrayed the Addicted and the Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect, to talk about ways to be the Buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. Okay. Today we are talking about how meditation to heal is easier than you think. And I have my friend Callie here with us, and I want to introduce you to her first before we get started. She is an operating room nurse who lives with her husband and two children in Iowa and meditation and mindfulness have been an integral part of her own healing journey. They had such an impact on her life that she became a certified meditation instructor and trained under Deepak Chopra and uh, Roger Gabriel through the Chopra Center. And now enjoys sharing the gifts of mindfulness and meditation with others in small and sustainable steps. I like small and sustainable. You know that. And that's why you're here, because I want our listeners to know that it's easier than you think. And sometimes we make things so big that we don't even try them because they seem so scary. So Callie, I want to hear first off. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Hello.
1: <laughs> I'm excited to be here.
0: Good, good, good. Uh, I want to hear kind of what life was like before you started practicing any sort of mindfulness or meditation.
1: Yeah. So I think I have to backtrack a little bit to like 2016 um, when I first found out I was pregnant with my son. So my life was a little bit chaotic. Uh, I had just found out I was pregnant. I was transitioning into a new role in the operating room. I had just taken the manager position. And about a week after I found out I was pregnant with my son, I also learned that my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, and then within a week of that, I was in the emergency room with a threatened miscarriage. Uh, and looking back, I can kind of see that was kind of where things really started to unravel. Uh, my husband, uh, struggles with an alcohol addiction that was really starting to kick up at that time. Uh, we were going through a lot of life changes. He lost his grandmother right around that time as well. Um, we were both in school. He was working 24 hour shifts uh, overnights all day long. We weren't seeing each other. So we kind of did what every normal couple would do. And we just ignored all of it and threw ourselves (laughs) into life. Um, we, we continued school, we worked more, we avoided each other more. And, um, we just kind of continued on that path and then, um, had my son, end of 2017, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and kind of same story again. We got another really hard diagnosis with my dad that, um, had kind of a timeline on it. And I ended up in the emergency room again, very heavy bleeding with my daughter. Um, only about 10% of her placenta was attached. Um, and that kind of carried on throughout the whole pregnancy. So, um, I got put on some restrictions. I, no strenuous movement. So I kind of lost my ability to exercise, which was an outlet for me at that time. And um again, we kind of just continued on that path of hard things and avoiding them. So summer of 2018, my husband's addiction had gotten to a point where um it wasn't sustainable for our family anymore. And about three days after I brought my home, my daughter home from the hospital, um, we separated and it kind of rocked my world. Uh, I, uh, took my three day old baby and my two-year-old son and moved us to, um, another home. And I didn't see my husband for about six months after that. Um, very infrequently. So I had, previously been seeing a therapist when I learned of my dad's diagnosis. But at that time I transitioned to a new counselor and she suggested my first meeting with her that I start meditating. So that's what I did. And, um, I've been doing it ever since. And it was, it became a really important step for me. So.
0: Okay. First off, that's a lot, Tally. And I still cannot imagine, the moving out with a three-year-old, three-day-old baby and a toddler. So I hope our listeners hear that and go, okay, if Callie can do this, when her life is like that, I can for sure do it. Mm -hmm. So the fact, I mean, that to me is proof that what you're doing is sustainable and doable, and it's not something that's going to take up so much time that you can't function. Um, So Not everyone is in that position right now where life is falling apart, but I do believe that everyone can benefit from slowing down and being mindful. And I think that's really what your, your therapist was probably, you know, Hey, listen to your body. Your body is, you know, in a lot of stress, let's slow down here. So, um, tell me what kind of the first steps into, what did you think when your therapist said, I think you should start practicing meditation? What did that look like to you in your head?
1: My idea of what meditation was, was based off of kind of what you see in the media where people are in these really uncomfortable looking poses, or they're sitting in these beautiful places and cross-legged with their hands open and um, looking incredibly serene. And I was struggling to figure out how that was going to fit into my life. Um, You know, uh, raising two small children is crazy in itself, let alone with that out all of the turmoil I was in at that point. So I really had to figure out ways to make that work. Um, And it couldn't be that what I thought it was.
0: Yes. I know for me, my first thought of meditation was, okay, how are they quieting their mind? How is it so serene, like you said, Mm -hmm. and peaceful looking when I feel like when I slow down and I get quiet it's just loud in my head. And I start to hear all the things that maybe I've been ignoring throughout the day. So it's like, well, how do I do that? So I love that uh, maybe we both went there and thinking that's not possible. Um, so how did you start? What were the baby steps that you took?
1: Um, so I needed a small chunk of time really, uh, I could fit it into like five and 10 minute increments throughout my day. So what that looked like for me, I really first started with some meditations that were heavy on affirmations or I would create my own. Um, For example, I used, I'm safe in my body a lot. Mm -hmm. I was in a place where um, I just felt unsafe overall. I felt unsafe in my own body. I felt unsafe in my environment. Um, I really just wanted to, just kind of like you said, I was uncomfortable with all the thoughts and the feelings that I was having, and I wanted to crawl out of my own skin. Um, so the idea of sitting in my own thoughts was uncomfortable. Um, so I had to take it in small doses, um, and it had to be built into habits that I had where my kids weren't meeting me at the time. Um, so I would listen to meditations in the shower, or first thing when I would get up in the morning, I would put on um, a meditation before I got out of bed. Or um, as soon as I got home from work at night, I would take five minutes and go sit in my room and just put my headphones on so that I was kind of closing out some of the external distractions. Um, And that was really helpful for me just to take it in small little bits, but also effective.
0: Yes. Okay. I love that because you're the expert over here and that's how I do it. It's very simple. And I think the shower is powerful because that water, I don't know, there's something about water. Yeah. It's just healing. And a lot of moms in particular don't have a lot of alone time with young kids that the shower sometimes is like, please just let me have this moment. So I'm going to lock the door and let me clean my body but also do something that's intentional and just be quiet with those thoughts, which I know those that is scary for a lot of people, especially if we're living in um, stress and trauma, we don't want to be alone with our thoughts. So I like the idea of keeping it really short and doing the affirmations with it in the beginning. So it's not this be alone with your thoughts, but more guided and, and be more positive. So doable. I hope they hear how doable that is. Uh, Okay. So Tell me your next steps in, okay. So you started doing that and fitting it in. Where, where did you go from there? What changes did you start to see?
1: Yeah. Um, so like I said, I I was kind of feeling unsafe in my own body. I was uncomfortable with my own thoughts. I didn't, I I felt like I was lacking control of my life, like I was an outsider looking in and just seeing things happening to me, but I couldn't control any of that. So um Along with the affirmations, I also would do. I would listen. I would just sit and listen to um, soundscapes, which are like the uh, sound of a fire crackling or the rain. Um, and I would visualize just being in this place that was all all my own. Um, kind of that's I was building in my head that serene place that I would see people meditating in. Um, and it created a sense of safety for me. And um, it was a place where I could go and be in control just for a few minutes a day. Um, The other change I noticed pretty immediately was just I was more in touch with my body. Um, I could feel in my body where my emotions were coming up and I could feel where I was carrying stress. And, um, I started to notice and be more aware of like what, how different foods made me feel and what types of movement felt good. And I could, I was just getting more in touch with myself so that I could meet my needs a little better. And that was a really cool experience.
0: Okay. And I'm guessing because you'd had all this health scares and uh, issues that you were probably disconnected pretty heavy from your body. Cause it was like, Whoa, you are not safe for me. You're bringing me pain on top of all the stress. Uh, I know for me, it's interesting hearing you say that. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. The timeline matches. So I started my own journey. I'm um, different, but uh, betrayal from sex addiction with my former spouse. And I also have a fused spine. Okay. So I've had the fused spine since I was 11 years old. It's nothing new, but because I fused I needed it. It was pretty severe scoliosis. I I fused most of my vertebrae, the ones that were not fused, of course, wear out quick. Right. And Mm -hmm. so by the time I was, I think I was 36, 35, my, my lower back was so bad. I mean, I, every day I would get out of bed. That's why I only have two kids. It was just so hard on my body. And so get out of bed. And okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to try all these things, go to the physical therapist, work out different, strengthen my core. I'm going to do all these things to try to improve my back pain and nothing would work. It just hurt all the time. And I'd been going to an orthopedic for three years. And he said, you know, you finally, you just need to get surgery. But I remember at the same time I was going to uh, this mindfulness class where I learned how to meditate And I remember we'd had to do a body scan, which is like intense when you are not big into meditation A one hour body scan to check your body and feel what it's feeling was a lot. One, just to be quiet for that long. And then to just sit and be uncomfortable for me in my body. And so I would go to, you know, check my body from toes all the way up. And I'd get stuck right there on that pain in my lower back. And it was like, I hear you. I see you. Come on. I I feel you. Right. So I finally get the surgery because there was just nothing else after three years of training, Mm -hmm. I get the surgery and I immediately feel fantastic. And I'm like, wow, my gosh, well, I'm glad I had no regrets. I didn't, you know, immediately go to surgery, but I felt so good. And I remember I went into my therapist, uh, Amy at the time, and I said, I didn't realize how much pain my body was in until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And she said, my guess is I had just numb numb numbed out all my feelings emotionally and the pain in my body because it was just every day. Right. So I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to be safe in my body to recognize the pain enough. It just hurt. And so I stopped telling Kobe. I stopped telling all all the people in my life that you know cared if I was okay because I'm like I just hurt all the time. So it was really interesting for me. I learned how to connect to my body, but it was also, I healed this part of me. And it was like, all of a sudden I can feel because I'm not totally ignoring and numbing out all this pain over here. It was really crazy.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, tell me, you said in your, um, intro, you fell in love with mindfulness and and the practice of meditation so much you went and got trained in it. So I want to hear more about that and kind of what training you do and, and why this particular type.
1: Uh, sure. So I was specifically trained in primordial sound meditation, which is similar in a sense to transcendental meditation. So the idea behind it is that, um, so there are 108 primordial sounds and uh, the primordial sounds are the vibration at which the universe was vibrating in the moment that you were born. Mm-hmm. Um, so your primordial sound is individual to you um, and it's kind of a sacred thing to get your primordial sound. Um, so you, you you meditate on your mantra that is specific to you and it is meant to help you connect back to your truest self and connect back to your soul, to the purest version of you. Um, so I will say because I was used to, um, using guided meditations or just listening to music or sounds when I meditated, it was actually really uncomfortable for me to move into that space. Um, so it was kind of like starting all over again. Um, but, uh, it's actually been a really cool experience and I've gotten different benefits from this type of meditation than I have from guided meditations. And I've kind of just found that, um, you know, all forms are valuable and can benefit you at different points in your life. Um, so it's just been cool to expand my understanding of it. And, um, gain more tools,
0: different, different benefits. So how does one do any of that? Like, I've never even really heard of that type of meditation. I think most of us are just like, yeah, you just listen to somebody with a soothing voice and you feel good. Uh, so how does one figure that out?
1: So you would work with a primordial sound meditation instructor, um, and I would calculate your primordial sound for you, but, Um, when you're actually meditating on it, um, primordial sound teaches you to just observe your thoughts. So if you think of them, like you said, it is uncomfortable to sit with your thoughts, but it's the, the point is not to, to clear your mind of thoughts altogether. Um, thinking and meditation is actually doing it right. Um, that's you releasing stress and taking time to hold space for yourself. Um, so if you think of your thoughts as like clouds, just watching them pass by, um, and then coming back to your mantra, um, mantras or guided meditations, or some people use your breathing. Those are all different anchors just to kind of anchor you back into the present. So you can use whatever tool works for you to help keep bringing you back to I'm in my body here in this moment. Um, and this is the experience I'm having.
0: I love that. Okay, so they're going to reach out to, to Ms. Kelly. We'll put your information in the show notes so that they can, because it does sound really fascinating. I haven't done it, so I want to figure that out mm-hmm. um, and try something new. Like you said, there's different types that can do different things. So um, tell me this. Uh, this is probably the most common question I get. You mentioned in the beginning you started with showers or even just as simple as laying in bed and doing it. What does it look like for you now? when you are doing your meditations?
1: For me now it's, uh, I do it more frequently throughout the day, but it's still in pretty small doses because, um, my kids are still young. I'm still busy at work and it is what works for me. So, um, I like to get up in the morning and I will spend 15 or 20 minutes in meditation. Um, I like to take a break at some point throughout my work day, um, just for 10 minutes and kind of close my eyes and checking with my body and see what I'm feeling. Um, Hold I don't
0: tell me what you're doing in this, the first one, when you wake up in the morning, like, where are you, what are you sitting like or laying like, and what is all of that? Give me a it. picture.
1: Yes. So when I first started, um, I didn't have a lot of core strength because I had just had two babies. Uh, so meditation for me, like I said, looks like doing it in the shower or laying in my bed. Um, now I still will just sit, I'll sit comfortably in the chair or on the couch. Um, uh, occasionally I'll be on my yoga mat, but for the most part, I'm in my living room or whatever quiet place of my house I can find. Um, and I will either throw headphones on and listen to a guided meditation or I'll practice primordial sound meditation where I'm just sitting in silence, um, repeating my mantra in my head. Um, At work, it looks like I set a timer to remind me that it's time to sign off my computer for a minute and check in with myself. Um, So I will just do it in my chair at my desk. I'll just close my eyes and take some breaths and kind of try to connect back in with myself. Um, Just notice where I might be feeling any tension. I'll try to pay attention to um, the feeling of my breath going in and out of my nose, um, try to pay attention to my heart beating. Um, and then usually at night, uh, my husband and I will listen to a guided meditation together while we're just laying in bed before we go to sleep. So a lot of different ways throughout my day.
0: I love, love, love that. Um, it just sounds like a completely different setup that you had when the beginning of this podcast, the story you told of being so disconnected from each other, mm-hmm. and also from yourself, and then to say now I practice all day long, and it's in different ways, and little ways, and I think that is amazing. Um, tell me how it's affected you at work. She just, I love the timer thing of like, hey, it's time, because I think we we don't always do that, and I think that's a really simple way of, I mean, you can use your Alexa. And she can tell you it's time if you're at home.
1: Yeah. So work is, has historically been a tool for me to, to numb. Um, I throw myself into work when I'm feeling stressed because it's what I know and it's what I can control. Right. Um, so I have to set the timers to get myself to get up and do it because otherwise I won't, um, I'll sit in front of my computer and work through projects all day long, Um, I, I think overall in life, it has impacted me kind of, so at work, it has allowed me to step away from that, to step away from the numbing a little bit and kind of, um, try to meet my own needs. When I'm throwing myself into that work, I often don't eat. (laughs) I won't get up to use the bathroom, um, because I'm just so engrossed in what I'm doing. Um, so it really is just a moment for me to take care of myself, um, and and then overall in life, which also helps me at work. Um, meditation has kind of helped me also recognize my connection to others and the just the role that I play in the world, like how I um, how I present myself to others, how I treat others, um, and if I can recognize how I'm feeling, um, the stories that I have, the stories that I create, the insecurities that I have. I also have to recognize that in others and um, meditation has made that easier for me. Um, so I think that's benefited me as a leader at work, just to be able to see the human side of people and understand that everyone is probably having a similar human experience to me where I have. Yeah. Um, I love that discomfort and confidence issues and, you know, things like that.
0: This is why I love you. You're that's so sweet. And it does show the intention about your life compared to, was it 2016 you said when life is yeah. really starting to fall apart? I just, I hope that people are listening and thinking, okay, I want what she has that mindfulness, the ability to slow down. It's not anything huge and scary. It really is allowing the thoughts to come and and owning them rather than letting them own us. Okay. So tell me what Callie one year ago would be proud of Callie for doing today.
1: I think just kind of doing the work and continuing on this path. Um, I did in 20, 20- 19, um, we lost my father-in-law unexpectedly in a diving accident. And then very shortly after I lost my dad to lung cancer. Um, And then with the rest of the world from that went right into COVID, um, which was a really interesting thing being in the healthcare arena. Um, But I think I was set up with COVID to have an easy excuse not to grieve and not to Mm -hmm. um, hold space for myself. And so I think I would be most proud of the fact that I have chosen to kind of dive headfirst into that grieving process and um, continue with my meditations and continue allowing myself to feel all the feelings and um, not expecting anyone else to do that for me which i you know i don't want to discredit the power of community because i've definitely leaned into that but um being able to give that to myself is a, is kind of a superpower i think yeah
0: it really is i do i think learning to grieve and being able to do that is a superpower in itself so i love that you brought that in to it because i feel the same way there's no way i mean we lost our our dads around a similar time frame mm-hmm. um there's not a a better way, I think, to just sit and say, I have to feel this. I have to be able to face the storm and turn towards the pain and to do it mindfully takes skill. But I think it is doable for everyone. Um okay, so I want to hear about your most recent be the buffalo moment. And if you don't know what be the buffalo moment is, I know Callie does, but go listen to episode one and I t- just tell a really quick story about Be the Buffalo.
1: I'll try to keep the backstory short, but um I was laying in bed with my son a couple weeks ago and he was asking me about the time surrounding my pregnancy with my daughter and that's been a hard topic for me to talk about um and I'm still grieving and I'm still processing a lot of anger and resentment and all of the things around that and so in that moment, was just like, "All right, here we go. We're gonna do this. I'm gonna talk to you about it." And we laid in bed and we talked um, for about twenty minutes about it. And he asked me if he could see some pictures of what I looked like when I had his sister in my belly, and I don't have any. Mm-hmm. Um, I I scheduled my maternity photos kind of before my husband and I separated, and uh, even after we separated, I expected him to be there but he chose not to be. Um and it was kind of a rough day, my maternity photo day. Um we were both crying. My my son and I, my son threw up all over his clothes. It was pouring rain. Um so I've just never had the courage to look back at that mm-hmm. time or look back at the actual documentation of that time, but um that night I did. So I scrolled back uh on my photographer's Facebook page and found her sneak peek of my pregnancy photos. And um I just remember looking at them at a in a whole different light and seeing that it through a whole different lens. Um and it was a cool experience, especially to have with my son who was there with me at the time. Um and I just rather than seeing like the tremendous pain and grief and anger um on my face, which that was all there still, I could see the storm rolling in behind me. And it was just powerful. Um, and I could recognize the healing and the strength. Um, And then just kind of in a cool uh, synchronicity of events, I went and got pictures done with my same photographer the following day. And um, she had this massive canvas of that photo of me um, with the storm coming behind me and um, my pregnant belly hanging up behind her desk. So. And when I got there, she was like, I love this photo because it's so symbolic of what you were going through at the time. And I just love, um, I love how that all played out. And I loved, um, being able to see it through that lens finally, because it's kind of a testament, I think, to the fact that I have used the time in the last couple of years to grieve and to process and heal.
0: That is beautiful. I want to see that picture. Thank you for sharing that and for sharing with everyone some, some of your harder moments and some of your most beautiful. So I hope uh, you guys take some steps, little baby ones. Maybe you do a one minute. I'm going to check in with myself. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're tired. That's as easy as it can be. And um, check in on yourself and do something about what your body needs. All right. Thank you, Callie.
1: Thanks, Ashlyn.
0: Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the Buffalo.